everybody it's Erin and Meg and welcome back to this monthly segment of love you read it we're so excited we love the book that Erin chose yeah so if you guys didn't know this is the love you mean it podcast every single month usually the first week of the month we post our monthly book club episode this is our third installment so the first book was kind of like a joint pick i would say Mm -hmm. we read then she was gone by lisa jewel last month was meg's choice she picked cersei by madeline miller so good and this month it was my choice and i picked malibu rising by taylor jenkins reed love her love her shit good good reads good good Good, literally good shit A good read, as some might say. I just read two of her books in a row, and they were fantastic. They were so different from each other, and I loved it. Yeah, we're going to be talking about those later as well. I guess we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. So, I don't know if you want to talk about our newest projects. Yeah, so, really exciting, guys. Well, first of all, you need to be following Loving Me in a Podcast on Instagram. It's so important that you follow (laughs) Loving Me in a Podcast. It's honestly crucial, because especially, like, for example we just had a hurricane hurricane ida in connecticut and so this episode got pushed back and so you wouldn't know that if you didn't follow the instagram yeah so you know i mean we're okay now you know a lot of a lot of flooding but we're 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 cool we're not as bad as louisiana no so we actually started an official instagram for love you read it if you go to love you mean it you can find a link there also you can just you know like look it up yeah you can just look up in the search bar love you read it book club yes love you read it r-e-a-d yes love you read it yeah <laughs> i always i love you read like it. i, I, okay, read I, I read. honestly hate the english language sometimes it's like so read and read like who the fuck did like i know what why wasn't it like why isn't it like r-e-d i 100 like i, I don't know that or like like le- like lead and lead like i'm like why isn't it like that yeah but we're really hoping i mean obviously you guys know how much we love talking about books and we're still going to keep some of that on our love you mean a podcast channel but for the most part we really want to keep it on the i don't know just like the love you read it book club instagram we're going to be posting about our favorite books different things like that maybe some ratings about books that we read since we've read the last book, Cersei. So, yeah. Really exciting stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah. I did um, I mention I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm super excited. It's yeah. pretty exciting. So, if you want, you know, you can go ahead and tap the link in our bio on our Love You Mean It page. That brings you anywhere you'd want to go. You can stream us on a variety of platforms, which sometimes I think about, and it's crazy that like we're on Spotify. And I shit. know, and, and, I blows know my we, mind. And like we're on like iHeartRadio too. Crazy. I'm like, what? Okay, what? Yeah, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Hello. And we're on the charts. Uh, hello. You can also donate to social causes. You can donate to the podcast. <laughs> you can do as little as ninety nine cents per month, and it really helps us, you know, invest in better equipment, stuff like that. We do hope to eventually get a podcasting studio yeah. in our next apartment also you can shop our merch we've gotten some merch orders in and i have talked to them and they really like the products um they are really well, cute testimonial i'm gonna blast erin she actually hasn't ordered anything i know so i, so need to. <laughs> I think she needs to maybe i'll do a little fun fall sale so uh stay tuned for that but yeah that's like pretty much it for like instagram yeah i think so really other than that i mean we're going to be announced the other really big announcement i guess other than that is at the end of the episode meg is going to announce her choice for next month so definitely stay tuned to the end of the episode for that but without further ado we're just gonna get into the episode so also if you guys are new here you wouldn't know but if you are old here you would know that <laughs> our podcast i mean obviously our podcast is called love you mean it but every single week we talk about what we're loving and what we're hating but every single month and we do love you read it we talk about what we're loving and we're hating about the book so we like to get the negative shit out of the way first and so meg is going to share what she hated about the book there wasn't honestly too much to hate uh, and we're both very picky raiders yes but one thing that did bother me is like the last quarter of the book i would say when like we'll get into the summary later there was just like too many people and it was like a lot to like keep track of like if they had done like even like three people or something like that it would have been better but i feel like there were just so many people mentioned and i was like confused yeah and there were so many storylines going on that i was like what the fuck and like i get it it was supposed to be like chaotic but like it was just too much, but I'll, I will give her this. I did feel like I was at the party. Yeah, the I, amount I really of detail did as well. So it's not totally a hate. 
a hate crime. But uh, yeah, it did. It was kind of overwhelming, I would no, say. I mean, I get that. Especially, I mean, that's what I liked is that I felt like I was at a party. So I felt like I was like as overwhelmed as the characters probably were. But also like it is kind of a lot to be reading about. You know? Like when we read Cersei, I remember Aaron saying that it was a lot for her yeah. with all the Greek names. Yeah. Like that's how I felt at this party. I was like, who the fuck is I that? Like, who the fuck is Tuesday? Because like at least like. At least with Greek stuff, like, I have a background in that. So, like, I knew who some people were. But, like, with this, they were just, like, complete randos that had nothing to do with the storyline. So, I was like, what the fuck? No, and it's hard, too, because sometimes, I don't know if any of you guys have read Taylor Jenkins' read in the past, sometimes she'll throw in, like, a real person. Mm -hmm. And so, sometimes I'm like, there was a character, Tuesday Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, is she real? Obviously, she's not. Yeah, I, I Googled like, it. Yeah, I was shameless. like, oh, is this person real? Yeah. But they weren't. I, I was like, is this Jimi Hendrix kid or some shit? Okay, me. What I didn't like about the book was I felt like some of the storylines were too easy. We're going to get into the summary right after this. I'm going to share it with you guys. But there were certain storylines, like certain characters that I just felt like were too easy. Obviously, a lot of the characters face so much adversity and like a lot of struggles and really hard things that they went through. To some extent, I felt like things were just too simple. Like they kind of just like rolled over and took some things. So I didn't really like that. That was definitely something that like stood out to me. But what did you love about the book? What I loved about the book is the confrontation at the end. The peak, the... Um, the climax? Yeah, I was going to say. I couldn't think of the word. The climax, um, as Usher would say, climax. Okay, thank you. I was thinking that. Okay, thank you. Um, So, yeah, I just thought it was super cathartic and very, like, like, I was like, yeah! Like, I just found myself, like, cheering for the the core four yeah and it was just honestly great because there's like a there's kind of like a character who's a bad guy in the book and in the end you're like oh my god like they're gonna forgive him everything's gonna be fine and they were like no fuck you and i really like they that. just like called him out on all of his shit and it was so satisfying especially because i had like all this pent-up anger towards this man and so it was just oh, i just felt like relieved almost yeah, me too. and like um one one of the characters in particular said everything that she needed to say and i was just like i feel like she really was like justified like in saying it and it was just like so awesome to hear her finally stand up for herself i'm actually gonna read that quote to you guys in a little bit we'll get back to that what were you loving erin what i was loving about the book i honestly love so much we kind of already talked about this but overall opinions we both really enjoyed this book especially this is meg's first taylor jenkins read i know i'm a little baby and then i read daisy jones in the six like immediately after you really need to read seven husbands wait, i'm gonna wait. well don't you have it yeah i was gonna say can you read it next Are i was gonna anything i was gonna finesse it but really what i loved about the book is just like the detail of her characters in her world you're gonna see in seven husbands of evelyn hugo like there is just so much beautiful detail that you literally feel like you're i mean like meg said you feel you just like you felt like you were at the party while it can be a little bit overwhelming i just love that it feels like it's like a real world especially with daisy jones and the six like i felt like it was a real band and i had to keep reminding myself that it wasn't you know? i felt like i was literally like so the way that book is set up which is fucking fantastic by the way it was like such a cool book to read it's set up like a it's almost like a play kind of it's like so it's set up to be a documentary so they interview people and then but like every person just has like a couple like paragraphs or whatever and they just like tell their version of what happened yeah basically the book is like a huge transcript yeah that that's a good way to put it It was a transcript and it was just so interesting and i've never read a book like that and i thought it was so creative and like i literally felt like i was watching a documentary it was really cool yeah, so overall, Taylor Jenkins Reid is just an amazing writer, and we love her. We stand. Okay, but now that we've talked a little bit about what we're loving and what we're hating, because we're talking a little bit vaguely, and obviously, we've said this before in past episodes that we really want to give, like, a detailed summary in the beginning so that you guys could listen to this episode and not even read the book, because sometimes people don't have time, you know? So I'm going to get into it right now. So basically, the book is split up into a bunch of different parts. In part one, the book opens in 1983 and introduces the four Riva siblings, Nina, who's 25, and she's a swimsuit model, Jay, who's 23 and is a professional surfer, Hud, who's also 23 and is a photographer, and Kit, who's 20 and is a college junior. 
It is the day of the revisit annual party at Nina's house, and it's a major social event that attracts all types of celebrities, which I just want to say that, like, I've never wanted to be anywhere in my life. Like, I wanted to be at that party so bad. And they have, like, a really cool policy. So if you know about the party, you're invited. Like, if you know the address or whatever, you can just go. Like, you don't have to have, like, a physical invitation or anything like that, which I think is, like, honestly sick yeah i wanted to do that and like their party's famous so like everybody knows about it yeah. so like literally like hundreds of people go to this fucking party and it sounded so lit yeah so as the story then jumps back and forth in time to tell the history of the reva family the siblings parents are june and mick reva so if you guys have read any of taylor jenkins read books in the past mick reva was actually one of evelyn's husband's tea and then in Daisy Jones and the Six, Daisy goes to a party and McReeve is there. So I just love when characters are like, when you can tell they're in like the same world, you know? June's parents own a restaurant on the Malibu coast and Mick had a difficult childhood and really just had dreams of stardom. June and Mick fell in love and got married. And then once Mick's career started to take off, he habitually cheats on June. And then one day a woman shows up and drops off a baby. This is kind of vaguely what I was talking about. Like baby mama dropped off her baby on June's front step. June was like, okay. So basically HUD is not June and Mick's child, but the three of them, Nina, Jay, and Kit are all biological kids of June and Mick, Mm -hmm. but HUD's their half-brother, but they treat him like a brother. Anyway, June and Mick agree to raise the baby HUD as their own. When the kids are young, Mick leaves permanently, leaving June to raise them alone. Just so fucking sad. Mick also neglects to pay child support or alimony, and June doesn't want to call him begging for his help. Instead, they struggle along with June taking over her parents' restaurant, even though she didn't fucking want to, and she becomes an alcoholic and eventually drunkenly drowned herself in the bath, which I literally cried when that happened. I was so sad. It was so sad. At this point, when her mother passes away, Nina is 17, and she's determined to keep all of her siblings out of foster care, so she drops out of school to run the restaurant. When she turns 18, she files for legal guardianship, and they barely get by until... It says 1798. Um... <laughs> I think they meet 1879 when Nina is 20 and she's spotted by a magazine. <laughs> no, it's a 1798. Oh, that's even worse. God, you can- in yield colonial. Guys, I'm literally reading like a summary off the internet. And like, Bye. okay, fuck. Um, but basically, Nina, when Nina's 20, she's spotted by a magazine editor and she starts modeling swimsuits and surfing, which is really great because surfing was a really big thing for them. And one photo in particular became a very popular pinup that makes her famous. And around this time, the Reva started throwing the annual Reva party. And Nina also meets Brandon, who is a tennis pro, and they get married. By 1983, Nina has continued to model while running the restaurant on the side. Brandon has recently left Nina for another woman, fucking Carrie Soto, reminding her of her father's behavior. Meanwhile, HUD has been secretly seeing Ashley for six months, who is Jay's girlfriend, until they broke up last month. Jay has met someone new named Lara, but he has found out that he has a heart condition, which means his surfing career was over, which is so fucking sad because he loves surfing. I know. No one knows about it, though. And Kit, who is the youngest of the four, has her own dreams of being a pro surfer, but is struggling with her insecurities about her appearance. Next up, part two opens up at 7 p.m. So basically, part one was kind of between the past and the present where they're kind of like preparing for the party. And then part two opens at 7 p.m. with the first of the guests of the Riva annual party arriving, including a lot of famous people, which is kind of what Meg was talking about. They were introducing a lot of people that I was like, huh? Like if they were real famous people, I would have been like, oh, bet. But like. The party quickly gets out of hand with trays with lines of cocaine being passed around, people having sex and various people drunkenly vandalizing the house. At the party, Brandon shows up, the one that's been cheating on Nina, saying he made a mistake leaving Nina for Carrie Soto, who was the most, like, famous female tennis player. Honestly, though, the vibes of, like, Brandon being a famous tennis player and Carrie also being a famous tennis player were kind of, like, serving, you know? Well, I literally, feel like, literally I f- serving. I feel like it just kind of, like, made sense for them to be together, but, yeah. like, he was, he's, they deserve each other because they're honestly both terrible people, yeah. so... So, he basically apologizes and Nina takes him back, but, like, she didn't really have a choice. He, like, made her. But later, Carrie showed up to the party to scream at Brandon for treating her poorly, literally on the grass of Nina's yard in front of all of her friends. And Nina honestly realizes that she should be more willing to demand more from others because she spent her whole life putting other people first, which is so true. She dropped out of school, all this stuff. 
she eventually tells Brandon to leave and then Brandon does he ends up falling asleep upstairs in the guest room he wakes up and then he's like oh my god I have to go tell Carrie Soto that I'm in love with her and he uh gets in a car and drunkenly crashes it but meanwhile Jay tells Laura that he loves her but Laura's not on the same page as him and they break up at the same time Jay finds risque photos of Hud and Ashley and realizes they're together because like we said Ashley and Jay dated for like a few months but then Ashley dumped him because she was secretly with Hud and yeah also just want to say his name is hudson yeah um so you like i know like people from california have like weird names sometimes but like it was his birth mother her last name so they named him hudson reva basically jay angrily confronts hud when he finds out about this hud actually just learned that ashley was pregnant t and they got into a fight then partway through the night a girl named casey showed up at the party saying that she thinks that mcreva is her father that storyline felt like too easy for me as well but Mm -hmm. also like i don't know like it's not that shocking considering that hud is their half sibling as well and then elsewhere kit is making out with a nice guy she likes named ricky but she realizes she's a lesbian good that was so cute i was so happy for her i thought it was so adorable i like could tell because like she was really like comparing herself to her mom and like to nina and she's like oh i'm not as pretty as them i'm not as girly as them like why why don't i have like nina's body and stuff like that and like she i kind of was suspecting that she might have been gay but like she's gay so so honestly this is the most shocking part for me but at 2 a.m mick actually shows up to the party because basically for the past few years kit has been sending him a physical invitation like meg said there are no physical invitations but kit's just been sending one despite him but then he actually shows up which i thought was really funny um he hasn't seen any of his kids since he walked out on them and while they are famous people there mick is honestly like the most famous person there he talks to his kids and he wants to be a family again which this is kind of the speech that nina gives that we'll talk about in a little bit but the, nina finally says to him that he needs to get out and they all agree that it's too late after he leaves kit thinks about what nina said about the decisions she'd made for the sake of her family and honestly this is the biggest fucking vibe is like nina was like oh i want to go to portugal and they were like you should go I was like, I want to go live off the grid in Portugal. Yeah, she literally just did that, though, which I was so happy she, like, accepted it for herself because she's literally put everything off and, like, she's such a selfless person and I'm glad she finally did something for herself. Same. But then, basically, as the morning comes, Nina's best friend struggles to get the party under control and when she calls the police for help, they actually, they ended up arresting her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because she slapped a police officer. Yeah. Oh my god. I was like, bitch. But basically, Jay and Hud end up making up and Jay confides in him about his heart condition. Hud proposes to Ashley and he's determined to be a good father, unlike his dad. And Kit intends to pursue her own surfing career, which is so cute because obviously, like, Hud can't become a surfer because he's going to be a dad. Jay can't become a surfer because he has a heart condition. And so it's cool that they are allowing, like, Kit to do her own thing. At 7 a.m., just before Mick leaves, he tosses a cigarette, but, and it unknowingly starts a fire. It soon burns the whole house down. And by the time the fire is under control, Nina Riva is already on her flight to Portugal. And the book ends by saying that the fire had brought destruction and it would also bring renewal, rising from the ashes, the story of fire we didn't say this but like the first chapter was about like california fires and like how destructive they are and like how common they are in malibu and like i just thought it was a really like poetic end Mm -hmm. when they did that and they explained how the fire started yeah it was honestly like so nicely wrapped up i like loved it yeah also um brandon stole mick's car oh my god yeah and then like he he, like drove it and then he cried like he's he lives but he like literally crashed his car because he's an idiot this is a Um, psa please don't drink and drive yeah but the next segment is we're going to be sharing quotes so we each pick a quote mine's a lot shorter and mine was actually going off of what you just said because mine is from the beginning of the book but we each picked the quote that we liked or we thought stood out to us and mine is from the beginning of the book and it said quote but that land is young once again ready to grow something new destruction and renewal rising from the ashes the story of fire by 7 a.m., the coastline of Malibu was engulfed in flames because just as it is in Malibu's nature to burn, so was it in one particular person's nature to set fire and walk away. Obviously talking about Mick Tee. because you don't know in the beginning that he set the fire, but Ryan started the fire. <laughs> now Meg is going to share her quote. It's not exactly a quote. Um, I'm reading an excerpt. <laughs> Meg is going to share book. her book. Her novella. <laughs> um, so I'm reading the part where Nina literally like owns her dad. It's literally a Mick Reaver roast. It's amazing. Hi, Nina, baby. 
Nick said walking to her. This was his first time seeing her up close as an adult and he was overcome by the affection he felt for her face. Okay, me. Uh, he saw himself in it, in the lips and the cheekbones and the tan skin, but he saw June in it too. He could see her in Nina's eyes and her brows and her nose. He missed June. He missed her so much. He missed her roast chicken and the way she always smiled when he walked in the door. He missed the smell of her, the way she loved to love the people around her. Her death had shocked him. Interesting because he didn't do shit, but he'd always imagined that he could one day come home to her if she was still alive. He'd be with her right now. He'd have her come tonight, maybe even sooner. To even look at Nina as Mick did now was to have proof that June had lived. He moved closer to Nina, ready to hug her, but she put her hands up, stopping him. You're fine where you are, she said. Nina, Mick said. Nina ignored him. Guys, if you want to know why he's here, it's really simple, she said to her siblings. Then she redirected her attention to her father. You're here because you want to be, right? She asked him. Because you woke up this morning and you got a wild hair up your ass to try to be a decent guy. Mick flinched. That is absolutely not... Hold up, she said. I'm not done. She continued, her voice strong and rising. It's awfully convenient that you're suddenly interested in us once we're all adults, once we no longer need anything from you. I told you that's not... I said I wasn't done. Nina, I'm your, you are fucking nothing. Kid's mouth dropped and Jay and Hud's eyes went wide. The three of them watched their father's face as he moved through stages of shock. The air carried only the sounds of the crashing waves in front of them. Nina spoke again. You're a big someone to the world, dad. We all know that. We live with it every goddamn day. But let's be clear about one thing. You are not anybody's father. Kit looked at Nina, trying to catch her eye, but Nina would not break her gaze. She only stared at Mick. It would not be her that bent and broke anymore. Ooh, that was brutal. brutal. In the best way. It's brutal out here. But now that we did all of the rest of the stuff, we're going to get into our discussion questions. So question number one, Meg. Why do you think the author decided to set the story in Malibu during the 80s? Well, I think there are a couple reasons. I think the 80s are a very nostalgic decade. So I think it was really cool um, to do that. She always does like really cool time periods in her books talking about the author. Um, Also, I feel like it was just the right time, especially because Nick is a character in other novels it makes sense like the timing of it like in the late 70s he was like at a party like it was just like a continuation of that and also like it was really interesting because the whole time like nina and like june and everyone was like they couldn't understand why people thought that malibu was so glamorous um because it was like literally just a beach town which i think is really cool but like now we think of it as like this huge like beach metropolis kind of thing like a perfect place but they're just saying like it's literally just like cliffs and like beach and like there's one highway like one road that you take and that's it so i i just thought it was cool to like see what they thought it was in the 80s versus like what it is now i feel like it's pretty major no i feel like you made the perfect point because exactly like what you said people think that malibu is so much greater than it is obviously malibu is amazing but people have this like fictionalized like perfect idea of what malibu is kind of like with mick riva when he's actually like a shitty person and people have this idealized version of everything in their head when it's actually not like that next question what were your first impressions of the siblings did that change as the story went on um for me i thought they seemed like really like close at first i think because they kind of had to be especially after they lost their mom but i feel like towards the end especially like during the party it kind of seemed like they were almost strangers because they didn't know like huge parts about each other's lives yeah especially with like jane hud and you know and like kit being gay and stuff like like, nina and her whole marriage yeah so i think it was like really interesting that like taylor jenkins reed like really created that depth to the characters and like to their relationships too what do you think i agree i mean i always had like kind of like a great impression of all the siblings i really liked all of them i I couldn't really pick like a favorite if i had to like nina I, I don't know. Just kidding. I, I really liked Kit. I really I loved Todd. I liked Nina. I liked Jay. Okay, I so mean, all of them. J- Jay was my least favorite, but yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, because he just didn't really have much of a storyline. Obviously, a lot of the storyline was about Nina, so it really doesn't change as much as the story went on. I feel like I just got like more respect for Nina, and yeah. honestly, more respect for all of them as I continue. Mm-hmm. The story is told in multiple timelines. 
The majority is focused on the four siblings and their parents. Why was it important for us to read about the parents' relationship and fallout? I just feel like as much as you don't want to, like, we really do, like, repeat the history of our parents. Mm. And so as much as, like, HUD was like, oh, I want, like, my future kid to, like, have a great father, like, to some extent, like, we needed to see, like, that foundation that they were built on because especially, obviously, I'm sure Mick had great intentions, but going into his relationship with June, he had, like, a really toxic, like, abusive home life growing up, and that definitely played a role in his, like, his life as a father. Exactly. And, like, I think it just added more, it just added a lot of background as to why the kids were the way they were and, like, why they had such a strained relationship with their father. And I think it was also, like, really important for June's character arc to see, like, how she was like this sweet girl like when she first met Mick and like how he completely broke her and she like was literally like pathetic at the end of her life which was so sad but yeah I think it just really like showed a lot of depth and like it also showed like how Nina basically like played mom and dad and stepped up as like their parent and like the kid's advocate. Their mother June is determined to leave behind her home and family restaurant and believes Mick will be her ticket out of there. But what warning signs did she ignore about Mick? I mean, I feel like it's kind of just his obsession with fame. And, like, obviously, just because somebody has a bad home life doesn't mean that they're going to not be a good father or, like, a good partner. I don't know. I feel like that's, like, a warning sign in itself that, like, he wasn't trying to really, like, actively change that. And I feel like the fact that he had, like, all of these big dreams and, like, the fact that her parents wanted her... I mean, obviously, she didn't want to work for the restaurant, but the fact that he could not give less of a fuck about like her family's legacy like i thought was a red flag um first of all he's a musician so there you go also i feel like anyone seeking fame doesn't deserve it it's kind of like a power thing like like politicians like that run yeah for office like they don't like if they're seeking out that power they don't they probably don't deserve it um so same thing with fame um, and, like, he didn't even want really to do it because, like, he, I mean, he was a good singer, but it wasn't even because, like, he loved the art or he loved to write songs. Like, he literally wanted to be famous. Um, also, I remember uh, June's mom saying something to her about, like, him being really charming and to, like, watch out for that. Good one. I think he was super charming and, like, it was almost hard for June to be mad at him or stay mad at him, even though he was, like, really toxic and abusive towards her. Um, and another thing, like, that was a red flag to me was when he proposed to June and she said, I was put on this earth to say yes to you. That just gave me such bad vibes. No, and, I like, agree. from when she said that, I was like, oh, this isn't going to end well. No. Like, I knew it. Because you can't put all, like, your worth and, like, who you are into a man. And, like, she basically did say yes to him throughout yeah. their entire relationship. Yeah. She never said no. She raised his children for him. Even the children that weren't her. With no child support. Like, literally, she just did everything for him. And, like, now as an adult, he tries to come back and, like, you know like have a relationship with his kids like what fucking relationship no and i just thought it was ridiculous that he was like if she like if i had the chance i'd be with her right now and it was like you had decades of chances um you could have done something when she fucking died yeah you could have sent a card or a flower arrangement or something or fucking shown up yeah even when nina had to petition for guardianship like he didn't even send a letter or anything yeah like like they had to basically contact mick to give up parental rights so that nina could legally be their guardian and because he, like, didn't respond, she was granted guardianship. And he said that he saw the letters. Yeah. So, I was like, you just literally you just, just didn't do anything. Like. <laughs> Next question. Let's talk about the importance and significance of surfing to the four siblings. I literally thought the surfing was such a vibe, especially because I've read the majority of this book. I would say probably, like, maybe, like, 70% of it on the beach. Uh, I felt like surfing to them was really just like an escape, especially because like their mom wanted them to work in the restaurant to like help her with like June wanted them to work in the restaurant to help with money. But then remember she kicked them out and then they went to the beach and that's when they found the surfboard. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like it was really just an escape and like freedom and like just being different because obviously their parent like their mom worked in a restaurant and their dad was like a musician. Yeah. 
I think it's, like, really, like, how they bonded with each other. Yeah. That was, like, something that they all could do together that they really loved. And it was, like, a way for them to, like, express their love to each other. And I feel like by them continuing to surf and, like, even Jay making a career out of it, it's, like, reverted them back to, like, a simpler time. Yeah. Um, Especially because they had such a, like, rough, like, adolescence and adulthood that, like, that was like the one good thing in their lives well i was gonna say i remember like even we were talking about how nina ended up being a model mm-hmm. and like she was like hey like i really just want to surf and they were like oh you don't need to surf like you already have the look for it but like surfing was so important to her you know mm-hmm. so. also i totally like get that because if i could surf i would yeah um Aaron and i love the beach and we love going in the water we are those bitches that like we literally warm up on the sand for like 10 minutes and we're like bet it's time to go in the water and we stay in there the whole time and we get pummeled by waves and we don't care be us this weekend literally next question nina was forced to grow up fast and eventually became the caretaker for her siblings because of this nina never does anything for herself and always puts herself first how is this behavior harmful to herself Okay, so obviously I saw that she was making a lot of sacrifices, but I didn't even really notice until the end when Kit said that, that, like, she never made any decisions for herself. No, she always did, like, what she thought was best for her siblings. Like, she dropped out of school, and she worked, like, all these jobs, and, like, she worked at the restaurant, and, like, she became a model, and she, like, really sold pictures of her body, even though she was uncomfortable, like, for other people. She was, like, she, like, did OnlyFans, basically. Yeah, before Because they were very, like, she was very sexualized. Yeah. And, like, she, again, she wasn't comfortable, but it made, like, it was good money and she was able to provide for her siblings and, like, pay tuition and stuff like that. And she was able to give them what she never had. I just thought it was crazy that she gave up, like, so much for them, but. And she, but, like, that's the thing that was so satisfying about her roasting Mick. Yeah. Is that she lets everyone treat her like shit like her mom like towards the end of her life was like not great to her her husband was not good to her her father wasn't good to her and she finally was like you know what fuck this i've had enough yeah and she stood up for herself and it was so awesome that's the thing too is because i was low-key like honestly when he was talking and he was like i loved your mom's roast chicken and was talking all this stuff i was like oh my god like maybe he really is sorry and i was like they're gonna forgive him and be happily ever after when she was like fuck you i was like oh okay. no she's just been through too much and like she's has she had to grow up so fast like she legitimately like didn't have a childhood because like that wasn't the first time that her father left yeah like he left multiple times he was in and out of her life i felt i felt like the summary didn't really explain that so like basically like she um june and mick like had jay and nina and then when nina was like maybe like three or four Mm -hmm. he left and then when she was like maybe like six or seven he came back for like a few years and then just disappeared again and then she didn't see him till she was 25 yeah so so i understand the trust issues there yeah um i think anybody would next question june never gets over mick leaving her and she becomes an alcoholic in a true tragic turn she recognizes she needs to change for her children but she ends up drowning that night with nina finding her the next morning let's talk about the impact of their mother's death on the siblings honestly i feel like it was just another example of like nina having to grow up way too fast like she was the one to come home early from her sleepover and find their mom like i don't know i feel like it just changed a lot of things for her. i feel like that's just so traumatizing yeah like anyone that finds someone dead let alone their parent yeah that's like horrible um especially because nina the night before was like are you okay like i can stay home like yeah i think she just felt like really guilty and like because her mom wasn't around anymore like she had to drop out of high school she had to find work she had to worry about finances and like they struggled for like a few years there like before she was modeling she was just like working crazy hours at the restaurant and stuff and they had to be like so under the table because like she wasn't 18 and like so she couldn't really have custody of them and it was just really sad too because like obviously there's times of like suicide and stuff where like the person means to commit suicide but like clearly june wasn't trying to commit suicide she was just drunk and she took a bath and then she like fell asleep she passed out yeah it's just like sometimes like when you hear about how it's like 
there's like a high percentage of people that whenever like they either attempt to commit suicide or they do commit suicide they always like regret it yeah and so like i don't know it just made me really sad. i don't think she that was not intentional she no. just was an alcoholic yeah and it was an accident just like sad if, because, if like, she hadn't been in the bath she wouldn't have died yeah like, and it's just sad because like clearly she wanted to like be different for her children you know yeah like they she could like tell that they like f- like pitied her but like not in like a good way and they were having to take care of her rather than her taking care of them so it just like wasn't good and she realized that but it was just too late yeah next question why didn't mick come to the funeral and trying to maintain some type of relationship with his kids let's now talk about the impact of an absent father obviously neither of us have absent fathers but luckily yeah if you do i'm really really sorry you don't deserve that this book made it kind of I don't know. It, it made it, it kind of like opened my eyes to like what it would be like. I definitely just feel like he didn't come because he was too embarrassed to see them and because like he literally did not care enough. It, I think it was honestly like a mixture of things. Like I think, I don't think he ever really like wanted to be a father. Yeah. Like he said he loved his kids in like his own way, but like it wasn't like in his nature to be a father. And like he said that like, june thought that he was like this great man and she loved him so much and he like wanted to be that man for her but it wasn't who he was and like it eventually came out and i don't think like he was he's just like one of those people that like isn't supposed to have kids yeah Um, which is like fine but it's like i don't know it's just like so traumatizing for them and they missed out on so much like literally kit was standing right next to him and he didn't even know who she was and like this is his daughter also he's a runner he's a track star yeah when anything remotely bad happened he ran he's like bye he's just like a coward and like i don't think he wanted to like deal and i think that he was honestly like in denial because he didn't send child support for years so i think he was probably just so like hooked up or or hopped up on like drugs and alcohol and like partying and shit that he wasn't even thinking about his kids yeah i don't know it just made me really sad next question nina is worried that she's following her mother's path in many ways especially when her husband leaves her for another woman how did nina avoid becoming like her mother i loved that she stood up to brandon especially because obviously like we said brandon cheated on her and then he came to that party and he was like basically like i'm sorry we're back together and she was like oh okay and basically her best friend was like you literally don't like you care about everybody but yourself and she was like you know what you're right and so she basically told brandon to like get out and go home even though he like literally was like dumping her stuff out on the lawn and was like literally freaking out she was like i don't care like i'm doing what's best for me it was so iconic i just think she came from like a different generation of women than her mom like when her mom was younger i think it was in like what like the 50s or something that they were together like women like didn't divorce their husbands and like they had to endure crazy toxic relationships and they just had to accept it and so like that's what her mom did and she dealt with that by becoming an alcoholic Mm -hmm. but nina had like a different attitude towards infidelity and i think what her friend said to her really resonated with her yeah and she almost it was almost just like a switch went off and she was like okay like i don't give a fuck anymore i'm like doing what i need to do yeah and also i feel like another huge part of this was that she had her siblings as a support system whereas like i feel like her mom was very isolated yes and like yes she had her children but like your kids aren't supposed to take care of you but like meanwhile if it's like your siblings i feel like they're more like friends almost yeah so they can like come together and like support you rather than like supporting your parent exactly next question we have is what did you think about all the details of the party scenes what did you think meg (laughs) 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 well you guys know how i feel about it um again i did feel like i was there but i just felt like it was too much and like a small amount of time and it was just overwhelming no i loved the fact that i felt like i was being there but also like the second half of the book pretty much is dedicated to the party and it was just kind of a lot yeah i mean like that was probably the intent but i was just like i don't like while i'm saying that like i would love to go to to a huge party like that i feel like i could only be there for like a little while and then i would get overstimulated and have to leave like they were talking about people doing unless LSD i was like super on the drunk tennis court, and they were talking about people like 
pissing on her like her art and i was like okay there's too many details here that i can't even keep straight yeah i was like i get it it's a ranger like i can picture this shit in my head i don't need to be to have it spelled out for me but kit grows quite a bit in the novel let's talk about her character art i love kit i thought she was first of all the name kit is so fucking cute but i thought kit was so cute she's the runt of the litter she grows up literally with with no father she wants to be a surfer but nobody has any faith in her and then she grows up she starts she like starts wearing cuter clothes she gets more confident with herself she realizes that she's a lesbian she um takes in casey as her younger sister she realizes how amazing her siblings are and she chases after her dream of being a surfer she was literally perfect iconic adorable i just i Anything loved else? her i was just so proud of her she really she, she really grew so a lot cute. especially because like at the beginning she was very like meek and like yeah like she just was the youngest sibling like she just kind of did what she was told and whatnot but like she really came into her own and she was the one that told nina to like go to portugal yeah. which like i think is so awesome because like she's taking she's been taken care of by nina her entire life Mm -hmm. and so the fact that she like was old enough and like felt mature enough to be like you know what i don't need you anymore like you need to go yeah like that was really cool next question is why did mick come to the party and finally face his kids what do you think because of he had the audacity honestly yeah (laughs) i feel like he literally was just bored and like he finally was like because he'd been getting the invitations for years yeah like and nothing had even happened he was just like oh you know what i'm gonna go he's like oh you know what they actually want me there he just like decided to (laughs) um which i don't think is an excuse yeah i don't know i feel like he was probably curious and especially because like he knew that like nina was like famous like in her own right and like he'd heard about jay like being a surfer and shit i think he was like like that's kind of like what happened with like my um my dad's dad he left um when my dad was like really young my dad was like a baseball player in college and then like once he started doing like really well and like he was like an like an all-star or whatever like my grandpa started showing up to the games and shit and like trying to talk to my dad and he was like what the fuck like yeah, who are you? i feel like it's just once you kind of like make something of yourself they like want to know you but yeah. they didn't want to be there when you were nobody well, no, it's a little like what nina was saying like she was like i just think it's funny that you come around when we don't need you anymore like when they don't <laughs> need anything like financially emotionally like when they're adults and like he can just be like their pal next question will the siblings ever see their father again do they even want to i honestly don't think so i think it honestly drew the line when their fucking mother died and he didn't even write them or like show up to the funeral i just think that like this needed to happen like i think like they needed to like say this shit to him and like put him in his place i don't think they have a need for him no like they never really did they just like did it on their own and like they were fine and they survived so i just like like while like they're always gonna like hear from him like they're always gonna hear his songs played and like hear about him like they don't actually need to see him yeah i feel like this was like a real wake-up call for him too because i feel like i mean for them too because i feel like they were kind of just like waiting around to see what he was doing all this stuff and it's like you don't need him either yeah so they just were kind of like they were like oh yeah like you didn't need us well we don't need you either like it's a two-way street next question let's talk about the push for Nina to go to portugal and leave everything behind including finally selling the family restaurant literally thought it was iconic literally exactly what june would have wanted she did not want the restaurant to she didn't even like june didn't even want to work there that's like one of the reasons why she like went with mick because she was basically like bitching like oh i hate that fucking restaurant and like mick was like oh like when i get famous like you'll never have to work there again and so like but the only reason she did work there was because (laughs) the only reason (laughs) the only reason she did work there was because she had to like she didn't have an option because he had left her and she wasn't getting child support from him and she needed money so she went to work for her parents and she was miserable and she hated it and she used to work like super long hours and she would not have wanted her kids to work there it like just wasn't something that they liked she only did it out of obligation for her parents so i think like honestly like if june were alive she would have been like happy that they were selling it and i think it was open long enough and like they did the best that they can so they just left (laughs) 
Final question. How did the party change the siblings' lives for good? Literally, they're completely different pe- like people. Kit is no longer straight. Nina is divorced and is moving to Portugal. Jay finally came out to his like family that he has a heart condition and quit his job and got over i mean he literally was like i didn't even think he really loved lara i think he was just like obsessed with her i was just thinking of lara bars yeah oh i love those things yeah i think he just had like a fixation he was definitely like using her as like a rebound from ashley like because he got dumped so i think like he was trying to deal with it and then obviously hud like is having a baby and he's like getting married yeah yeah so honestly i feel like the party made them into completely different people and they're even more perfect than they were before honestly like and also they gained a new sibling yeah like potential sibling casey yeah and like i'm really happy that like nina was selfish for once and like hud and jay were able to like be honest with each other yeah because like jay was hiding the heart condition and like hud was hiding for months that he was fucking his ex-girlfriend which i did think was fucked up yeah but also i was like okay but like they make way more sense together Mm -hmm. than like jay and ashley and then like kit was also honest with herself because i think she like said in the book that she was like kind of lying to herself like i think she knew that she was gay but like she didn't want to admit it and then she was like okay you know what like this is who i am yeah so next up is a really exciting part we're going to be doing love you cast it so basically this is where we cast this book as a film and we're going to be doing obviously they went back and forth between the past and the present we're going to be doing the present what so when they're in like their 20s you know so i think we should do nina first i have another nina nina dobrev okay i see that i just pictured someone hotter i'm gonna say megan fox okay when she was like younger yeah but she's supposed to be like tan and like megan fox okay spray tan okay. did you not see transformers she was tan don't watch jennifer's body that is don't a poor think megan fox is the vibe okay who would you pick for jay i think taylor lautner <sighs> yeah i picture them all with like dark hair for some reason and, like i i pictured like deep olive skin for all of them okay and, like, dark taylor lautner is an is a fat though damn okay <laughs> i just like don't think he's a good actor like i don't think he could like uh, that's fine I, jay wasn't my favorite character waiting to hear your groundbreaking other choice i'm trying to think i'm thinking like dylan o'brien bitch they're literally supposed to be like tan like olive skinned they're gods. they're white people i know <laughs> Yeah, I would say Dylan O'Brien. You're casting the wrong film. Um, no, okay. I'm casting a hot film. Okay, who would be HUD? I'm thinking of like a young Penn Badgley. I'll take that. I'll I'll ride that train. Because he's like quirky. Yeah. And like... His- I, f- I feel like him as Dan. Yeah. I feel like the Joe vibes, but I feel like it's just because he's supposed to be a little stocky. And so like well, as, yeah, as I Joe, like, he's like super skinny. I feel like Penn Badgley like isn't like a big guy. Yeah. Like he's kind of like a, sl- a slight person. So Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like he was different and like he's like a different eye color than yeah. his siblings and like different like tech hair texture and all yeah. that shit. So like it makes sense, but for Kit, I am taking no answer other than Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, no, we we agreed on this. We agreed on Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, who would you say for June? This was hard for me. Like, I know she had like brown hair. I, I was gonna but say what color? Like, I I pictured her blonde. Is that weird? I think she had brown hair and brown eyes. Right. I was literally picturing like Olivia Newton John. Wait, should it be Demi Moore? Yeah. Dark hair. I think I think that's it. She can wear contacts. Doesn't she have dark eyes? Oh no, she does have dark eyes. Yeah, Guys, it's Demi Moore. Okay. Wow. Okay. Another point for me. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Hear me out. Mila Kunis for Nina. I would accept that okay who would you okay mine is a pure joke who would you do for mcreva can you please tell me first? charlie from twilight <laughs> <laughs> but loki doesn't he have the vibe he needs okay mark consuelos he needs to be like hot but like also like damaged i was thinking maybe because like did they say he had dark eyes yeah they did i thought Fuck. so I was I mean, gu- contacts are a thing. I was gonna say like a young Dennis Quaid because he's like so charming. Yes, but he also Jack has Quaid? like b- just kidding. Fuck, but he also has like an edge to him. I'll take that. Maybe maybe we could make um instead of uh Jay is now Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Who did I say for um Hud? Because I think I'm gonna change it to Jack Quaid. 
So then it's Jack Wade, and then Jack Dennis, Wade, and then Dennis. Oh, Wade. I said Pendagley. Oh, and then no, it's Jack Wade. No, it's Jack Wade, and then it's Dennis Quaid as. We're doing a father son thing here. It's yeah. gonna be great. Yeah. y'all are gonna love it. Awesome. Also, I don't know. Oh wait, okay. No, I guess we. I guess that's that's it. really all I want to. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it's gonna be a show. I'm so excited. So Jack Wade, you should uh, audition. I mean, it's probably already casted, but. Love you. We're casting it right now. I, so. I I really think that they should listen to this. This, this is definitely what the inside um, of the as, writers. As, room as long as like. we can like get okay. So final final count. We're gonna say who everyone is. Okay. okay. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. I don't know why I said that weird. Mila Kunis as Nina. Taylor Kitsch as Jay. Um, Jack Quaid as Hud. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo as Kit. Oh, Demi oh, Moore. Demi Moore. Okay, June is Demi Moore. Mick is uh, Dennis Quaid. I also, I feel like good. that would be like a hot couple. I know. You I see. can see that. Also, like, Dennis Quaid is married to like a 25-year-old. Yeah. So. Good for him. Honestly, I would marry Dennis Quaid. I have, a, I have a thing for him. Ever since The Parent Trap, I've had a thing for him. Okay, time to do our overall rating. What would you rate this book? I gave this book a four out of five stars i gave it a 4.5 out of five stars so, so we average rating is 4.25 or four and a quarter if you which like I think fractions is a good rating. um it's funny because we looked at like the actual um reviews on goodreads and like all of those reviews averaged out to a 4.15 out of five which so we were pretty close. close yeah now we're going to get into the books that we've read since we read Cersei last month. I've had a bad month, guys. I only read five books. It's so. fine. Aaron read 13. so <laughs> 13 going on 30. That's literally Aaron I had 12 reading. books left to reach my goal. Exciting. I changed my goal. I saw that. I'm really proud um, of you. I did it. I changed it to 52. So that's equals out to one book a week, even though I started reading in like I don't know when I started. That's definitely like, maybe possible. Maybe like April. Especially because like the end of the year is like the holidays and like you're just like lounging around. Hold on. Let me see when my first book was. Yeah. I started in March. I was a couple months behind, but I think I'm catching up. Yeah. Like I started in January, but like March, April, well, it's like in February and March when I started my job, like I stopped reading because I was like kind of like adjusting to everything. Mm-hmm. And so like. It's kind of like I started in April, too, because I didn't read anything. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, my reading goal is currently 100. I definitely think I'm going to be able to reach it since it's September 2nd and I'm at 82, but... I honestly think I might go past... Like, I'm in, like, the high 20s now. I think I'll go past, like, 52. But I also, like, don't turn on the TV, guys. Like, I don't watch TV. Like, okay, except for right now because we're watching Gilmore Girls. Which is so good. But, yeah, Not in the podcast. Aaron's never seen it before. Um, It's really good, though. Okay, but let's share our books. Oh, shit yeah i'll go first so the first book i read was the paper palace it was a reese uh a reese's book club book i don't always love her book club picks they're not my fave but i really really love this book i gave it five stars a really great like summer cabin like would really highly recommend actually i would not say this beach read i would really really highly say to look up the trigger warnings in advance or kind of look up the content because i would understand it would be very triggering if you'd gone through this next book i read was luckiest girl alive this book was so fucking iconic i started it and it was really cheesy like it was really like sophie kinsella style and i was really nervous because i had a 3.5 but it just completely turned around into a completely different genre and i think about this book every day i gave it a five it's coming out into a movie and mila kunis is actually the lead and i'm really excited it's perfect casting next book i read these were all in a a weekend guys so next book i read was the nature of fragile things you guys are gonna notice well i read a lot of like redheads book this month i'm an avid redhead like book club podcast listener and this was a book that they read i think for june yeah, but this is a book all about kind of like the San Francisco earthquake. Um, it was good. I really liked it. I've been getting into a lot more historical fiction. I gave it a three. I wasn't obsessed. A fair rating. Yeah. The first book I read was The Silent Patient by Alex Michelides. This was actually an Aaron wreck. Ah! I If you liked Cersei, I would honestly pick this book up. It definitely is like pretty like heavy on the Greek shit, but... It was so good. It was like such a psychological thriller. I absolutely loved it. It was really, really good. I gave it five stars. Um, next up was <laughs> Yours Truly, Malibu Rising. Woo! Um, I gave that a four, like I said before. Loved it. It was fantastic. 
Um, the next book was the sequel to The Silent Patient. Um, this one's called The Maidens. I gave this 3.5 stars. Compared to the first book, it wasn't, I don't think it was as good. And I read them like back to back. Yeah. So I was like, eh. So like if I had left like more time, I feel like I would have given it a higher score. Yeah. Like I read them like. But The, the Silent Patient was iconic. I read them like six months apart. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the next one was Daisy Jones and the Six. I actually listened to this on Audible because it is like a, um, a documentary style, uh, book, like a transcript. It honestly, I think is meant to be read in audiobook form. The voice actors were incredible. Like the woman that played Daisy is exactly what I thought that she would sound like, like totally like what I was picturing in my head. Um, they were all like very expressive and cool thing though if you guys didn't know this you actually get a free month of audible if you sign up team um and you can get a couple books there um i didn't think i would like it but i actually did it was great because i had to take a long car ride so i got a big chunk of it done yeah but love that book i gave that a four actually 4.5 but the last book i read was the last flight by julie clark just finished this one last night it was annoying because it was about like two women and I only liked one of the women. Yeah, I hate that. So There's I was nothing worse when you than when you don't like a narrator or something. Yeah. And so I was like, eh, I don't really know. Like only like one of these and like honestly, like the other characters plot line could have been like greatly reduced. I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah, I gave it three stars. I was not obsessed with it. That's okay. Next book that I read was technically a meg wreck because she read it first but i had it on my goodreads for a long time this was another redheads book the four winds by kristen hannah i really love her as an author she has great historical fiction and she's just a great writer overall i gave this book five stars it's all about the dust bowl and the great depression it's something i never read about and so i found it really interesting and i learned a lot i talked about that in the last book when we did and i literally cried my eyes out and it was fantastic um i did not cry but i thought it was a really beautiful story um next book i read was another redheads book clara just kidding um it's called clara and the sun i literally thought this book was so fucking iconic it's by kazuo ishiguro and he's a Nobel prize winner for literature it was literally iconic it was about this girl named clara well she's basically a robot and she's an af an artificial friend and she's at the store and this girl named josie comes and buys her and brings her home and like she's just basically her af and like follows her around and like it was just crazy like i literally could see this book happening in the future if you love black mirror you would absolutely love this book i really want to read his other books it's giving me ashley o vibes no it was literally ashley o mixed with the other one that's like um with that one be right back with when he had like the doll (gasps) it it was like that it was so good and like i didn't really know i was gonna like it that much but i gave it five stars i thought it was so good and i've heard that his other books are even better so i'm really excited next book that i read was daisy jones and the six like meg said i'm not gonna really go into a tangent because she just talked about this but i love this book i read it i have the physical copy i gave it four stars there was just something missing but i did really enjoy this book next book that i read was the lies that bind by emily giffen i've read a few of her books in the past and have really enjoyed them but this was honestly one of the worst books i ever read there were so many random plot points and plot holes i did not enjoy this book i think that she used 9-11 as kind of a dramatic event or like a dramatic something that was an inconvenience to the narrator rather than an actual tragic event i would not really recommend reading this book if you were uh like a 9-11 survivor or anything like that um i gave it one star which was honestly pretty shocking it was my first one star ever i feel like you just shouldn't like talk about 9-11 unless it's in like a non-fictional thing no but because you're gonna offend somebody no but i'm like why is this like a rom-com and like you're using 9-11 as like a way to avoid jail spoiler alert as a way to hide and avoid jail for insider trading yeah that's just fucked up like the only thing that i saw that was like tastefully done that was fictional about 9-11 was that movie with robert pattinson yes, like remember me that, that was different and he like died in the twin towers and that spoiler was alert. i literally was like bawling my eyes out yeah. i was like traumatized but like that is like a good like thing to do but like just do it or honestly just don't touch it it's no. like it's one of those things that you just like have to respect yeah 
Uh, I just read a lot of Redheads book this month. Uh, the Redheads book of choice this month, well, pick for September was, or I guess August, was We Are the Brennans. Uh, it was about an Irish Catholic family and a lot of drama. I really thought I was going to like it, but I did not like it. I re- They just dropped the episode today and I listened and I was really glad to hear that Becky and Dana also didn't love the book. So that made me feel really good. I gave it two stars. Next book I read was 28 Summers by Inlin Hildebrand. This book was so fucking iconic. I had snot rolling down my face, like shaking tears. It was beautiful. It was just so good. I highly recommend, especially for a beach read. I gave it five stars. I will say it is really long. It's like 500 pages, but worth every page. Next book I read was A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khalid Hassini. Uh, This is a really great book, especially because, I mean, obviously we've been in Afghanistan for the past 20 years, but especially with everything happening recently in Afghanistan, especially with women losing their rights, I feel like this is a really important book to learn about kind of women's history in Afghanistan and just kind of how everything affects them. You learn about like the Taliban coming. It was just really beautiful and I cried at the end, so I gave it five stars. Next book I read was Educated by Tara Westover. I've heard about this book for a really long time. I just hate reading nonfiction. Like I really don't like it. So I don't really know why I picked this up, but it's basically a memoir about a girl's experience living in Idaho and basically her growing up in like a survivalist compound. It was really interesting, but obviously the book is educated, so they're going to focus on her education, but I feel like they didn't really talk enough about her survivalist lifestyle, so I gave it three stars. Next book I read was Malibu Rising. Not going to go into that because I just talked about that for an hour, but I gave it 4.5. And the last book I read was Big Summer, one of the worst books I've ever read. It was just really awkward and, like, really bad, like, plus-size representation. Obviously, I'm not plus-size, so I can't really speak to that. The main character compared her experience as a, quote, fat woman to an Asian-American's, like, immigration story to the U.S., which I thought was really weird. It was a chiclet, but then it turned into a crime novel, and I just found it really annoying, and I gave it two stars. But yeah! Those, uh, those are all the books that we read this month. I read 13, as I said. I feel like that's a new record for me. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Love You Mean It Podcast and at Love You Read Book Club. Now Meg is going to share her book choice for next month before we wrap up. I don't even know what it is, so I'm nervous. It is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Ah! I've been wanting to read this book forever. Yay! My dad has my copy, so I'll have to steal it back. But I know Did he read it before you? He was reading it this past weekend. And then okay. I haven't read it, obviously. I'm so excited. Woohoo. So yeah, this book is always available on Libby. I know it's up for you can borrow it right mm-hmm. now. So but yeah, so the first week in October Wow, that's crazy. The first week in October. Guys, this year is almost over, thank God. Hopefully twenty twenty two is a lot better than twenty twenty one. The first week in October, the Midnight Library will come out, it will be dropped, and then for October I'll try and pick a spooky book. I'm so excited. But thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed, and we will see you on Monday for a regularly scheduled program. Love you, mean it. Love you, mean it.